Tale of the Manticore. Bonus material. A chat with Kyellen about music production for RPGs. What follows over the next half hour or so is not an episode of Tale of the Manticore. It will not take the place of a usual episode. It's just some bonus content. You know, I'll be the first to say that I am not the best interviewer, but sometimes I just get it in my head that it would be super cool to talk to somebody in the field who does things better than I do. Kyle and I have known each other for years. I'm pretty sure we met on a panel discussion. Was it Luna Gamer Mom's Tavern Talk? I think that was it. Anyway, since then, he's written bits of script for the show, he's voiced multiple characters, including the long-running character Caspain. He also does something which is pretty rare, which is to write music for RPGs. Uh, I've used some of that music on the show, as you'll know, uh, and we've collaborated before in the past as well. Finally, Kyle and DMs a weekly OSC game I'm part of, so we talk all the time. And one day recently, I asked him, hey, would you mind having a chat on Mike? He said he was up for it. And so here we are. All right, I've got a special episode happening right now, and I have with me my friend, my dungeon master, and my sometimes collaborator, also known as Catsbane. It's Kyle Kyle welcome to the show. How are you doing? Hello, everyone. I'm doing great, John. Thanks for the invite. So uh, I asked Kylan to uh, sit down and have a chat with me about music, because it's something that uh, the two of us are very much into. I've used his music on the show, and uh, we've even collaborated together to do some scoring projects. And I just wanted to pick his brains in terms of uh, the creative process and uh, even the kind of equipment that we use. I'm kind of intending on geeking out at some point. I hope you're okay with that. (laughs) Absolutely. We can do that. That is the plan (laughs) for the next um, 20 or 30 minutes or however long this ends up being. Anyway, let's jump into it. I wrote down a quick like uh, list of bullet points to talk through. And the first thing I wrote was process. So do you um, do you have a methodology? Like, do you have a step one this, step two that? Yeah. So um, sometimes I come to the um, the DAW. Okay. So for those who don't know, the recording software is called the Digital Audio Workstation. I'll call it a DAW just so we don't have to go through that every time. So sometimes I come to the DAW with an idea, right? I'll, I'll either have heard something that got my brain spinning or occasionally I'll, I'll read a book or something that gives a kind of atmosphere and I want to try to capture that. Mm-hmm. Other times I'm just, you know, practicing a piece on the piano and I come up with a neat little riff and I'm like, okay, I got to go write that down because I'm going to use that later. Yeah. Uh, that happens fairly frequently. Uh-huh. Other times I just open up a blank concept and sort of roll the dice on, you know, I, I have a bunch of free libraries. You know, I've also spent probably too much money on sounds <laughs> over the past couple of years. Mm-hmm. So I'll just pick something that I haven't used before, try and find something, and then start layering. Generally speaking, right, especially instrumental and um, atmospheric tracks, mm-hmm. there's there's certain things you need, right? You need a bass layer, usually for atmospheric, especially something big feeling, right? And you need uh, something real high to cover that sort of top end. And then you have a lot of room to play in the middle. Now, do you have go-tos? Do you typically have a go-to bass voice that you go for? Or like a high-end, is that going to be strings most of the time? For the high-end, yeah, a lot of time it's strings. I do like using synthesizers. So I use Dune 3 Mm -hmm. by Synapse Audio, I think, uh, which is an excellent just sort of like all-around synthesizer. And um, I also have one called Concept, Mm -hmm. which is a granular synth. So it takes little clips of audio and like dots them in randomly 
so you can get these really cool sounds and it makes for great bass textures i see now listeners can't see what i'm seeing but i do see a piano and a guitar behind you yep are you first a piano player this this is my feeling from listening to your work but this is just a guess are you piano first guitar second that's funny i actually learned music on the guitar i was wrong My dad played guitar when I was a kid, and so I didn't really... Like, to me, there wasn't really an option, right? It was it was always going to be the guitar. Mm-hmm. Um, however, I was never that good. Like, I, I never had the fingers to play lead. Uh-huh. Um, I, I have played the piano off and on for about a decade, but only really seriously took it up a couple years ago when I started doing composition. Did you take lessons? Did you go through Royal Conservatory, or are you self-taught? Oh no, I'm I'm a self-taught pianist. Um, cool. And, and honestly, I'm not that good at that either. Right. For me, the music is similar kind of to programming, right? It's about finding how all the pieces fit together. That's funny. I often compare composition to doing a crossword. It's it's like a little mental activity. There's something slightly mathematical about it, but it, it feels like a fairly light mental activity, especially I feel like for scoring, because part of the goal, at least for me, is to make it not so interesting that it's foregrounding anything at all. I really do want it to be background and mood. Yep. I guess I guess I'm going to toss it back to you when you're writing something. Do you highlight a motif and develop that and try and give it a, a kind of an interesting arc or are you designing for backdrop? Right. I've kind of done both actually. Um, so it really depends on the intention, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you're if you're doing backdrop, you really don't want to you know, everything about music composition is write a great melody or, you know, write interesting harmony. Mm, not really yeah. for like podcasting or for trying to develop stuff for people to use in their games. You really don't want to distract the players, mm-hmm. right? You don't want to call attention to it. Right. And I, I feel like even even dynamics, like um, yeah. if I have really loud sections or really quiet sections, that might make for an interesting piece of music if you're making a piece of music to just be listened to. Right. But actually, it can really interfere with uh, mix levels and things like that. If you've got dynamics that's like, oh, this part is really loud and now it's quiet. And w- when you come to a mix down, that could be a bit of a nightmare. Yeah. So over time, I've learned to keep that dynamic width pretty narrow, I guess. Pretty narrow, yeah, yeah, for the background stuff. You know, I did the album um, that I, I shared a couple pieces with you where I did 10-minute pieces mm-hmm. with different moods to, so that you could just, they were long enough that a GM could theoretically just loop them in the background forever. Right. So each one of those pieces has three sections, and all three sections are in the same key, mm-hmm. so that there's no major, there's no huge change, there's no huge shift, but the thematics do shift enough that it kind of just disappears. Interesting. And because one of the one of the things I noticed, right? Um, like the first season of Critical Role, for those out there who've watched it, they were using music from oh, what's his name, Kevin? Oh, McLeod. Yes, Kevin McLeod. A lot of whose pieces are great. So great, in fact, that when you hear them, you're like, oh, I I know this one. <laughs> oh yeah. I know that one. And uh, there's one combat theme that stands out because it's like a three horn note or something. And it plays so often during season one of Critical Role. Like you start to just, it gets distracting. And what I really wanted to do was not that. (laughs) 
<laughs> I always had as a kind of a true north mm -hmm. Diablo one. Oh yeah, because that was so atmospheric and like you know those songs, but they never got in the way of anything. Yeah, and they were always kind of mood appropriate. Yes, and so. Even though I kind of shot for that, I, I don't feel like I achieved that. I got something else. Mm -hmm. But that was always kind of my, my North Star to try and get something Diablo-esque, especially when I started. And it was just like, ah, I've, got an, I've got a classical guitar lying around here. Let's just grab that. Yeah. Uh, and then over, over time, it's kind of like, well, I've got 20 of these pieces now. Maybe I should start to expand. Right, right. Yeah, that Tristram theme, I don't know how they did that. And I don't know whether it was just that I was young at the time, but that one is really iconic. Isn't that a standout? Yeah. And it's, yeah, and it's and it's more thematic than most of the stuff that mm -hmm. I think about using as background, but I, I don't know why that one works so well, but it really does. Yeah, I, me neither. I'm looking at my bullet point list here, and I've got number two is inspiration. I think we're already into that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do you have any, like, um, any inspirational uh, musicians that you think, ah, I would like to be like this, or something? that really does inspire you the, the thing where i can go and feel ready to write music is actually guy michelmore's youtube channel so he runs a, a university called think space education they do master's programs for music um and i stumbled across his youtube channel i think you told me about this guy yeah back when i was getting started he's he's a british he's an older british working composer yeah. he's hilarious yes he's great and his process is just let's sit down and make music right whenever he explains he demos live in the video and is really inspirational mm -hmm. i have imitated many styles to try and understand music like the witcher 3 soundtrack because that's a really good one but the use of the hurdy-gurdy in that and and everything is like that composer is really good and i wanted to kind of see if i could capture something along those lines right uh-huh um right so i've done that fairly frequently like okay can i write something new that imitates this to my satisfaction do you ever use um acoustic instruments I mean, like the guitar back there, does that get used or do you find that you do a lot of it, you know, quote unquote, in the box? Yeah, I tend to prefer samples because, again, I'm not that proficient with the instruments, right? Now, I have done a few tracks where I'll like rhythm guitar in it or do a basic picking pattern, something like that. Mm -hmm. One of the things that's really hard to find, for example, is a really good strum on a guitar for from a digital perspective it just there's no nuance in them hmm. I, at least i've never found one there may be one out there but i've never found one right so if you really want to get the the nuance the the sound of the pick on the strings that sort of thing really the only way is to record it directly interesting i don't think i've ever used a guitar sample it'd be shameful i've got like 40 guitars in here mm -hmm. Uh, but I often find myself going to things like uh, Wurlitzer or French horn. For some reason, I can't get enough of that. Cymbal Swells, that's another one that I, I use samples for. Uh, and I just keep on coming back to these same sounds, but usually guitar and bass. Those are real. I have a fretless here. It's one of my secret weapons. Uh, and then, of course, drums, because I live in an apartment. There's only one thing, and i got to use samples. Mm-hmm. Sure. If you're a, you know, an acoustic musician and want to try the digital stuff, the best place to start is with Spitfire Labs. It's completely free and there's all kinds of weird, cool stuff in there. Right. That is a really good one. And I use another one called Decent Sampler, which is also free. I think it's kind of like contact. Yeah. From a tips, tricks, best practices standpoint, the hardest thing that I have had to learn as I started doing this 
is that my guitar teacher was right. <laughs> I was 15 years old, and I wanted nothing to do with what he wanted to teach me. I just wanted to strum the guitar and make music. And he was like, no, 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 there's all this stuff. And I had, you know, I had no interest. And now here I am, so many years later, and I actually tried to find him on the internet so that I could apologize. Like, that's how bad I felt about it. <laughs> um, but it is so much easier when you know what the rules are so that you know how to break them. That's got me thinking. I, every now and then I'll do a recording session with a with a friend, you know, not podcast related. Just make some music, record it, see how good we can make it sound. Yeah. And I've been doing this for so long. Um, so my methodology is very, it's sort of set in stone. Like I have a way that I approach things that just works for me typically. Like if there's going to be drums, the drums kind of go in first. Mm -hmm. And then I build sort of bottom up, okay. bass guitar, rhythm guitar. And as I go, if any kind of, you know, audio surgery happens, has to happen shifting things around so that they uh, so they groove a little better they fit in the pocket a little bit better mm -hmm. I'll do those so that whenever I add something it's kind of on a solid foundation mm, sure. but what I find all the time if I work with people that don't often use DAWs is that they will just kind of record a bunch of stuff but they may not bother to get it kind of perfect as they go right and so what they end up with is this this hero sandwich of stacked tracks, mm -hmm. all of which are slightly out of time, out of tune, kind of poorly played. And so one tip, I, I try and sort of like use this when I'm out recording with other people, although resistance to this is amazing. Um, you really do need to kind of make sure that each stage the thing that you have put down is correct. It's like as good as you can get it. Yeah. It may not be perfect. It doesn't have to be perfect, but it should be sort of as good as you can get it before you move on. Otherwise, I do find you get that big pile of junk. And, and the more stuff you add, yeah. the more of a cacophony you can end up getting. The harder it gets to straighten it out. Yeah, that's very true. Yeah. Which is why it, you know, because I've never been an, an like amazing performer, I actually do a lot of my work with the piano roll. So it's quantized, but I know that it all fits together. I'm not reliant on my own stupid fingers. Yeah, <laughs> I can I can let it be good. Yeah, it's a it's yeah. a great tool. Yeah, yeah. I like I always play to a click mm -hmm. because if you don't, if you want to add anything to that or do any kind of editing later on, what a nightmare! If you can't see visually where things are supposed to be. Oh yeah, absolutely. So that, that's a pretty good trick. Oh, and I'll I'll throw in one more. Yes, please. So um, one of one of the things that I have learned is that you can do a lot by taking a short audio clip and reversing it. Uh huh. Um, it's incredible how much you can do, especially as a um, a transition mm -hmm. between sections. So you take one note on a piano, record it, mm -hmm. change it from MIDI to actual audio, uh -huh. and then reverse it. And if you and you clip off the part where the 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 note hits, you get this just slow fade in, and then it disappears. Yes, indeed. And it's incredible what you can do with a transition like that. Actually, for people who know the show well, every episode ends with one of these exact things. I can't remember if it's a mm -hmm. if it's a tom or a snare hit with a lot of reverb on it, reversed with the head clipped off, as you said, and it just makes this kind of sucking sound like a... 
mm-hmm. and then you get that theme music, da 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 da, which sounds a bit like Beetlejuice when I do it like that. <laughs> but there you go. So that's exactly what you're talking about. Yep. That's a great producer trick, isn't it? That reverse snare, reverse tom. Yes. What a good trick. It's so cool. I thought this would be a good place to pause the interview and actually play an example of this reverse swell trick we're talking about. This is what it sounds like in the intro music. And here it is isolated. Pretty cool, huh? And, you know, as long as I've interrupted the interview, I wonder, maybe it'd be fun to actually demonstrate this methodology we're talking about and create some score right here and now. Let's see, we've talked about starting with an idea or a sound or a riff or really just a point of inspiration. I happen to have one of these at hand. I've got this big, big water jug in my kitchen just sitting there empty. I bet it would make a good drum. Let's record some. Yeah, I can work with that. All right, later in the interview, you'll hear me and Kai Allen talking about the Akon Reverb Free VST. Let's apply some of that to the water jug drum. Oh, nice. That sounds pretty good, actually. Some other things we mentioned were building up from drums first, then adding a middle-range instrument and a high-range. Since we discussed Spitfire Labs, how about that for the middle section? How's this sound? Definitely usable, nothing fancy, just a basic chord progression. I mentioned the decent sampler. How about using that for a high-range instrument? This is a special violin pad that gives us those horror movie creeps. Yeah, not bad at all. Finally, since I do have all of these guitars around here and I do like to use at least some real instruments besides a water drum, let's do a lead line using... I'll go with a Les Paul guitar and some stylized delay. If you're keen to hear the finished product, I'll include it in its entirety at the end of the interview. Let's move on to gear. So this is where we're really going to nerd out because we're going into the weeds now. Um, What kind of DAW do you use? So I use uh, Studio One. Mm -hmm. Um, It's by PreSonus. Right. I use it because I needed an audio interface. I know that's a really boring term, (laughs) but it's the thing that lets me plug a guitar into my computer. Yeah. It translates sound to USB, basically. All right. So you've got Studio One. You've got an interface. You've got... What kind of microphone do you use? Uh, so this microphone is an Audio-Technica. It's got both a standard mic input and a USB, so I can switch back and forth. However, it does not amplify well on XLR, mm-hmm. so I tend to use it USB for most things. Your audio is always very, very crisp. Yeah, that that's through the USB. Um, right. I have had a lot of trouble, even with a preamp, getting this microphone to do its job without a lot of interference. Right. But honestly, as a USB mic, it works great. So I can't complain. It does. It works really, really well. Yeah. Uh, do you have any favorite software? You've mentioned the Spitfire Lab stuff. Yep. Um, what are like your top two or three um, always use? So um, I have a piano called Emotional Piano that I use that I really like. It's um, it's not a super loud like you know mm-hmm. sort of classical piano but it's really good for that sort of in between it does what it says it's an emotional piano um, and it's great at that i use it constantly um that one is a paid one for the lower cost or free stuff like i said spitfire labs mm-hmm. i can always find something interesting there yeah i i do have contact i did spring for it 
um, because I wanted to try some of the weirder, more experimental things that you can get when you pay for contact. Mm -hmm. So I have a couple of things by like really indie people who have just uploaded sounds taking a guitar and tuning it to D and running a bow across it, like a violin bow. Yep. <laughs> I love that kind of stuff. Weird, weird stuff. So that contact has that community around it. Yeah, where they, it does. Yeah, yeah. Um, but, you know, I get a ton of mileage out of things like Spitfire's Frozen Strings, right? They were 30 bucks, and they have this incredible set. Mm -hmm. If you really want the whole shebang on musical possibilities... The uh, East-West Composer Cloud for 20 bucks a month gives you everything you could want. You get a, a full professional orchestra um, on top of dozens of other libraries with, you know, stuff from all instruments from all over the world. Just just a crazy amount of uh, possibilities in that. And for for 20 bucks a month, you can really experience the world of, of sample instrumentation. Not a paid endorsement. Not a paid endorsement. <laughs> that is just my own personal experience. And uh, I... I've enjoyed a lot of the stuff, you know, being able to just be like, you know, what's an erd? What is an erd? <laughs> and what's it sound like? I've got one. The erd is the word. <laughs> I believe you're right. Um, gee, what, what am I using right now? I have a very similar setup to yours. Uh, I've got a Steinberg little two-channel uh, interface. I use Reaper. Uh, which is um, a really good one. Uh, I, I would recommend that to anybody. It's a good one to start. Uh, a lot of people use Audacity. Audacity is fine. Audacity is limited if you're going to be going with yeah. a lot of editing or a lot of channels. But um, certain, certainly for a lot of podcasters, Audacity is is the thing. Yeah, if you're doing like straight straight recording, Audacity is good. But if you're starting to layer, you really need something more like Reaper. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so again, I, I use Reaper just because I learned it. I know it i love it and uh it's super affordable uh in fact they have a free version which yeah. as long as you don't mind a nag screen you can really use it indefinitely indefinitely i always tell people you're gonna like it so much you're gonna be like who do i pay and, and how much can i give you because it's so good <laughs> exactly i use steven slate drums that's a paid one like i said i use real guitar real bass I use a, a Wurlitzer program called Merlitzer, which is free, and I just find it sounds great on everything. I love that one. That's a, a free VST. Oh, I might have to check that one out, yeah. Oh, it's great. I use a free reverb really often. Um, it's actually provided by the buy and sell uh, reverb.com, and I think it's called Solo. Anyway, I use that one on like 80%, including um, when I have characters in dramatic sections of the show speaking in a small space or a bigger space I'll use that same reverb because it's um, mm -hmm. nice and light on the CPU uh, for a microphone I use I'm very lucky because I have a uh, a Shure SM7B, which is that big fat capsule mic that you see a lot of like YouTubers, etc., using, and they sound great. Weirdly, they're really, really, really not sensitive mics, so you have to signal boost them somehow. So after you shell out for one of these microphones, you quickly find you have to shell out again for a preamplifier, and it's kind of unavoidable. Wow. Uh, you can use it, but it's a struggle until you can get that volume up. I don't know why it's designed that way. Interesting. But but um, that's, that's how it is. So yours is a dynamic mic too then? It's a dynamic mic, yeah. yeah. 
Do you have the same struggles with condensers that I have? Probably, where like I, I live on a busy road. Every on, on a decent condenser, every car that goes by interrupts what I'm doing. <laughs> yeah, I live right by a bus station, so I get sirens. I get the sound of dumpsters uh, lids smashing shut. Oh yeah, uh, all that stuff. <laughs> Um, anything else gear-wise? Um, I did find that having a MIDI keyboard is useful for my process. That's funny. I actually don't use... I don't even use a keyboard anymore. I've had them around sometimes, but I have no space here anymore for any of that stuff, so I just use piano roll. But again, most of the time I'm using guitars. Uh, well... Hopefully listeners will uh, know your music from the show, but where else can they find your stuff? Okay, so um, I have several short albums available on Bandcamp, so it's kyellen.bandcamp.com, and I do have a SoundCloud full of the early work um, that you can go check out for absolutely free. The stuff toward the top gets better and more professional because it's in reverse chronological, uh, so that's a great place to check out, and uh, all of that stuff, by the way, on SoundCloud is licensed Creative Commons, so it is free for anyone to use in any project, and all of my Bandcamp albums, uh, should you be inclined to purchase them, they all come with a use license as well. So they can all be used in your own podcast or anything that you'd like to put them. Really nice. And I mean, I certainly recommend it. I use it myself. So there we go. <laughs> Is there anything that we didn't cover that we should cover? I think we pretty well touched on the high level, you know? I, I think we got it. I mean, we could we could spend hours, you know on the details I can oh boy I can go to the details yeah yeah but I, I always worry like oh is it interesting to anyone but me but right I don't know I'm gonna put this out there and we'll see what the response is like and uh, you know sure if it's if it's good um, then I'll do like a musician's round table or something like that uh, because I think that could be cool too we all have a slightly different creative approach yeah I'm with you though like I get either an idea in my head or you'll watch a YouTube channel and somebody will show you oh here's a new tuning right here's a new trick yep like the reverse thing that you talked about and then you're like well I want to try that yeah uh, and of course the best way to try that is to make something and those kernels are often like what what sort of grows into a, an actual piece exactly uh, and it's like just kind of a lot of fun absolutely that's that's always what i'm aiming for is can i can i get the sound to sound like what's not necessarily that there's music in my head but there's a there's a feeling that i'm trying to evoke right can i can i make it happen sometimes the answer is yes and sometimes the answer is not tonight absolutely true every now and then and this is pretty rare i'll marry some music with some kind of narration or something like that and sometimes if I'm really lucky, and it, it comes down to luck, I'll be honest, mm -hmm. very rarely does it actually work out by design, but sometimes just at the narrative moment, something will turn in the music yeah. at the exact right time. So I, I did that by accident a couple of times, and I found the result to be so powerful that I've then been chasing that oh, yeah. as as I'm writing. So sometimes I will put a turn yep. or some moment of change or crescendo or, or, mm -hmm. or something. And in my mind, I'm hoping when I lay this into the mix, right. it will just kind of happily fall <laughs> in the exact right place for that, for that emotional yeah. boost. Because boy, when it happens, it is great yeah but it's rare it's it's a unicorn for me i'm always always looking for that so here's what i don't recommend uh -huh. so when, when i did part of when i was doing the threat dice podcast for uh for tumble die i did a few narrative episodes toward the end of it 
and please don't tell me that you tried to score along with I did I tried to live score it I recorded my voice for doing the narration and then I tried to live score the podcast and mind you it worked okay but it took forever it took forever you are a warrior Um, but I did it and I was the the hardest part honestly was the fight scene because it was like 20 minutes long (laughs) Holy moly. I couldn't but imagine. But man, I don't recommend it. Uh, all right. That's a great note to end off on. Um, this was a lot of fun. Um, uh, we're chatting all the time now because we have our, our Tuesday night game. So uh, I don't have to say goodbye. I could just say I'll see you in a few days. All right. See you then. Thanks for your time tonight, huh? Absolutely. Thanks for, uh, thanks for having me, John. Have a great night. Well, I hope you all enjoyed that as much as I did. Thanks to Kai Allen for the interview, for sharing your music, and, well, for everything. As promised, here's the finished score. I added a little bit to the formula and applied some mastering compression, but basically, this is a water bottle drum, Spitfire Labs strings, decent sampler creepy violins, and a really heavy electric guitar. Alright, here's the song. Hope you enjoy it. <laughs>